Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome in, Red Sox fans. Of course, like every other week, this is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. This episode, of course, is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep and get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and entering that promo code, uh, of course, which is Celtics, to get your $50 off that mattress purchase. Um, of course, you can go follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook's just Red Sox Beat Podcast on, on Tumblr, on iTunes, of course, everywhere you can find us. Um, good show on top for this week. We're going to be joined by Pete Abe of the Boston Globe in just a few seconds here. But first, we've got a full crew back together. Um, so uh, what's going on, you two? Not much. I'm enjoying the spring weather we're having up here, though. Yeah, I'll you know, take it. So I, went sp- I went skiing yesterday, and it was like 50 degrees. I didn't need a jacket. It was phenomenal. Um, but all right, without further ado, we've got plenty of news to talk about here now that pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training. Uh, Peter Abraham of the Boston Globe joins us now. Pete, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, good. I'm sure Florida is treating you just nicely, um, even though it hasn't been too cold up here either. Yeah, so I've heard. I, um, last year when I called home and there was eight feet of snow, I was, I was careful not to mention the weather here. But so far this year, <laughs> I, haven't had, I haven't had to do that. So that's been good. Yeah, if it was last year, I wouldn't have asked either. <laughs> yeah, so, right. right. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I kind of want to jump right into it. Obviously, pitchers and catchers are down there. Some uh, position players are down there as well. And I think the biggest story for a lot of us is just Hanley Ramirez in this situation. He's been getting practice at first base. Um, for what you've seen so far, Pete, just how does he look? Obviously not bringing the first baseman's mitt coming into camp is kind of a big red flag to maybe to some people. Just how is he looking so far? Well, he, he's only had uh, two of the workouts at first base, and these are unofficial workouts. The position players don't actually yep. report until tomorrow, and their first workout's not until Tuesday. So it's a little bit, um, I think, hard and early to try to get a gauge on what he's done. And, uh, I, I, you know, I will say he looks a lot more comfortable at first base than he ever did in left field uh, because he was an infielder for most of his career. But uh, until you see him actually playing a game and really in a major league game, in a game that counts, you really won't know too much because the speed of everything is not the same in, in workouts and it's not the same in the exhibition games. It's, it really You really don't get a gauge of it until you see him play against guys who are going full out to get to first base or make a play, whatever it may be. So we won't really know until we get to April, I don't think. 
Pete, real quick on uh, follow up on Hanley. What do you make of him needing days off already? I know they're not technically supposed to be there yet, but most times when people report early, they're there every day and they're working. So what do you take of yeah. him taking days off? Well, it's not. That's actually not necessarily the case. A lot of times, um, for guys who, especially guys who live in Florida, uh, which he does, when um, it's the last weekend before position guys officially report they'll go home for the weekend and see their kids or, or do something else. And he's not the only guy who did that. A couple other guys did too. So that's not entirely unusual. And it's, you know, like John Farrell said, it's, you know, you got to remember that these are voluntary workouts. He doesn't have to be here. Um, yep. You know, David Ortiz isn't here yet, neither is Dustin Pedroia. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And it wasn't so much that he needed to take time off. I think he just wanted to take the time off and uh, contractually and everything else, he has the right to do that. So he did it. I mean, uh, it's probably not a great look. And maybe it would put him in, in better stead with some people if he if he hung around and went through the 90 minute workout, you know, out here and, you know, looked like he was uh, running around. But I don't know that the couple extra days would make that much of a difference either way. So I, I can't get too crazy about it because we don't know, um, you know, maybe he has some sort of family obligation or something. It's, it's not that unusual for guys to go home. That's always good to know, especially with with Hanley. Um, speaking of concerns, Pablo Sandoval didn't show up when he was expected to on Saturday? Is that any cause for concern there? Yeah, well, that was, you know, it'd be interesting to find out at some point um, where that came from because John Farrell told us that he, he thought Pablo was going to be here on Saturday. And wh- what you're not sure about was did, did he mean he was going to be in Fort Myers on Saturday or on the field on Saturday? Because from what I understood, Pablo did get to Fort Myers on Saturday. He just didn't come over to the park. He was busy, you know, moving into wherever he's living in spring training. And then he got out on the field on Sunday. So I, I guess it's just, um, you know, if you're expecting him to be out on the field on Saturday, I guess you were disappointed. And it seemed like some people were. Um, the Red Sox didn't seem overly concerned about it. Over to the manager perspective, Pete. I know John Farrell said a couple of days ago that he'd be quicker to move on from certain players. People were kind of assuming Hanley and, and Pablo because we have other guys who could play those positions. Do you think that he will actually do that? Or do you think he's going to stick to his normal coaching style where he's being loyal to the players? Yeah, you know, I think he will because, I mean, frankly, his job's on the line. And if the Sox are uh, out of contention or are not playing real well by Memorial Day, you know, I, I think they're going to make a change. And they would bring in uh, Elevate Tori Lavulo to be, the, to be the manager because he was pretty successful last year for 48 games. And everybody got to see how he handled the team. He did a pretty good job of handling the team, obviously. And it, it would be pretty easy to uh, elevate him to that job. So I think if you're John Farrell, it's going to be a little more – I think you're going to be a little more stringent in terms of when you draw the line. When you have job security, when you're coming off the World Series, you can draw that line pretty late in the year and say, okay, well, we have a lot of faith in these guys, and we're pretty sure they're going to come around, and, and that's what they did for the last couple of years. But when your job's on the line, you know, you might start drawing that line pretty early. And if you don't see what you want to see out of Hanley or Pablo or, or anybody else for that matter – uh, you're gonna make, you know, you're gonna start making changes and, and do what you can to save the season and save yourself. That's that's only human nature. And the other thing that they have that I think plays into that is they like Travis Shaw and they they like Brock Holt and they they have guys who they can put in those positions. So it's not like they don't have what could be a better alternative available. They do, I think, especially in the case of, of Brock and Travis. So it does. Uh, it'll be interesting how long they would go before they made some sort of you know, okay, today's the day we're you know we're benching Pablo and we're going to put we're going to put Brock Holt at third or whatever it may be. I suspect it would be a lot earlier this year than 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 in past years. 
Yeah, I think many guys are going to be in the hot seat. Does does Farrell seem healthy to you? Do you think his health's going to be any concern with managing the team? You know, I mean, I, I do. Yeah, I he, I shook his hand a couple of days ago, and he has that bone crunching handshake back, and he's a he's a big physical guy, and and he looks kind of like he did before he, when we found out the terrible news that he had cancer, and his hair's grown back, and he's got that kind of brightness in his eyes again, and he's um you know for people who knew him, it was it was such a shock to see him going through the chemotherapy because he's such a big strong guy, and and he's such a you know he's a guy who works out every day, you know, he's a former major league player, the whole thing. And to see him, you know, beaten down physically by that like he was, was was such a surprise. So, you know, beyond baseball and beyond, you know, whether the Red Sox will be in contention, all that kind of stuff, it's good to see him, uh, you know, back beating himself and and kind of doing what he wants to do, being out on the field. And I thought it was kind of cool that he got here, I think it was about 10 days ago, and uh, was here before almost anybody else and, you know, kind of walking around in his uniform and, and, you know, kind of just, I think, enjoying being back on a baseball field. Yeah, that's that's great news to hear. I was I was hoping that that you'd say something like that. Um, so now moving over to the catcher situation, I'm really interested to see what you think about that. Do you think Vasquez will be ready to start the season? And do you think Swihart would possibly switch positions if Vasquez is ready? Yeah, you know, I, I do think in Christian's mind he'll be ready to start the season. I think the Red Sox will not feel the same way. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Last year, the Orioles tried to bring back Matt Wieters pretty quickly, or not quickly, but tried to bring back Matt Wieters from uh, Tommy John surgery. And it proved to be a little early, and they had to shut him down a little bit and, and kind of restrain him and use him as a DH for a while before he caught. And the Red Sox don't want to make that same mistake with Christian. And the other part of it is they have very good catching. They, they have Blake Swihart, who they have a lot of faith in. They have Ryan Hannigan, a guy who's a very capable backup and handles the pitching staff really well. So it's not like they're in a position to to force themselves to use Vasquez. Now, if Vasquez shows them at some point that, geez, you know, he looks great and he's ready to go and he's doing everything he needs to do, it'll make the decision more difficult because he's such a good defensive catcher and he can make your pitching staff so much better. But I, I suspect either way they're going to have him start the year in AAA and kind of build his way up to it a little bit and they can control it a little bit, you know, have him – catch two days, take a day off, catch three days and take a day off, things like that, and build him up so where he could get to, you know, five or six games in a week rather than kind of mandating that he has to do that the first week of April, especially in cold weather. Uh, so I, I'd be surprised if, if Vasquez were with the big league team to start the year. And I do also think they want to wait as long as they can before contemplating moving Blake Swihart to a different position because he's such a good player. And if, if he could be, if you could be an offensive force as a catcher, that's something almost nobody has. And it's very, it's very rare now to, nowadays to have a good offensive catcher. So I, they're going to give him, I think, every chance in the world to develop into that kind of guy before they think about whether it's you know first base or the outfield or somewhere else before they think about doing that. Yeah, that, that's good to hear with, about Vasquez. Probably going to be in AAA. I think that's what's best for him and what's best for his um... – his recovery. Um, switching over to the bullpen, obviously the Red Sox acquired Kimbrell and Smith in the offseason. Um, it's kind of a two-part question. How do you see the bullpen doing this year? And with Craig Kimbrell and Carson Smith in new territory, do you see any nerves building up for them or anything? Uh, well, certainly not in the case of Craig Kimbrell. This is a guy who's been an all-star player and, and kind of knows you know, knows, his, knows himself pretty well. And I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, anything's going to really change for him going to going to Boston. I think Carson Smith will be an interesting guy to watch because he's played in Seattle. 
Um, it's not a big media market. Uh, it's, it's not a place where the fans are all over you or anything like that. So how he handles the first time he fails in Boston will be interesting to keep an eye on because it'll be something new for him, you know, having a bunch of media people asking him, you know, why'd you blow that save or what happened? And, you know, how did that guy hit a home run? And so that'll be different for him. Uh, He's got, you know, watching him in the bullpen a couple days this week, he's a pretty impressive guy. He's a big guy with a kind of a quirky delivery, a little bit of a sidearm delivery, uh, throws real hard. And when, when you look at his stats, he's got weird stats. He's got a very high strikeout rate. And also a very high ground ball rate, which you don't normally see together. Usually you sort of have one or the other. And so he's a guy who either strikes you out or gets you to hit the ball on the ground. And that's obviously a, a great attribute to have if you're a relief pitcher. For Carson Smith, where where do you see him in the bullpen? Like I know we've talked, a lot of people have talked six through nine in terms of the four guys with Tazawa, uh, Yuihara, then him and Kimball coming in. Where Where would he fit, do you think? I think probably in the seventh inning, they'll, they'll, they'll look to, uh, obviously, Kimball would close. And uh, uh, assuming he's rested, Cody Uehara would be the eighth inning guy. Then they would fill in in the seventh inning with Tazawa and Tommy Lane and Carson Smith. And I, I think Carson would be the guy on those days that they feel like they want to give Koji a rest. They would put him in the eighth inning on the days that they feel like they needed to rest Carson's, uh, Craig Kimball. They'd have Koji close and, and, and you know put Carson in the eighth inning. So, they have a lot of versatility. And, and the other guy is, is Tommy Lane, who's been terrific against lefties in his career. With with this better depth now in the bullpen, they could really use Tommy Lane as like a one-batter specialist, bring him in to face a lefty, and, and that would be all he'd have to do. So John Farrell's in pretty good shape. He, he's got five guys, I mean, probably six really, that, that he trusts. There's really not like a middle reliever, you know, scrub to put in when it's out of hand kind of guy. These mm-hmm. are all guys who you would you would trust to the lead. So – it's it's I, I think certainly a lot better bullpen than they had last year, especially at the end of the year when it was kind of a train wreck. Do you see Stephen Wright fitting in anywhere in the bullpen this year? Um, you know that's that's another interesting one because he doesn't have any any minor league options, so they'd have to keep him. They they, they couldn't send him back to Pawtucket without risking uh, his being claimed off waivers, and I think somebody probably would claim him off waivers. So my my guess would be that they would have him. He, he's probably on the inside track to get the last job in the bullpen and he would be the uh, sort of the long reliever, a guy who could start if you needed him, uh, that sort of guy. That would be my guess, but they're not in a position after coming in last place a couple of years in a row to, to necessarily guarantee that. So he's going to have to pitch well and, and prove it. And, and if somebody else outpitches him, I, I think the Red Sox would be in a position where they'd have to seriously think about risking letting him go to keep the better guy because they need to get off to a good start. I think that's pretty clear to everybody. Uh, again, you are here on Red Sox Speed talking to Peter Abraham of the Boston Globe. Um, I want to switch to the starting rotation here, Pete. Um, obviously, we kind of know who have an idea of who's going to be that starting rotation, but um, there's kind of a talk about that fifth spot being potentially a battle for someone else to take it. Right now, in my eyes, I see Joe Kelly being the person to take that last spot. Um, do you think there's a battle for that fifth spot? And if so, who kind of gets that last spot in the rotation? Yeah, I mean, John Farrell's eyes uh, see it the way your eyes do. He, he said the other day he feels like it, you know Kelly has the is the leading candidate to be the fifth starter, but they're not saying that Joe Kelly is going to be the fifth starter. They they want him to pitch well and earn it. And uh, whether it's Henry Owens or Stephen Wright or Brian Johnson or you know there's several other guys, um, if, if they were to outpitch him, they'd have to give some consideration to, to doing that. They they could put Kelly in the bullpen. So again, I think this is a lot of. Uh, you know, last year they went into camp and it was right before anybody threw a pitch. Well, these are our five stars and everything's great and that's how it's going to be. And that didn't work out so well. So they, I think they're going into it this year, tr- 
trying to have give uh, some of these guys more of a sense of urgency in spring training that they have to pitch well, they have to be ready to go, they they can't ease into it. And I think Joe Kelly's one of those guys because he didn't get off to a good start at all last year. Ended up being sent to the minors, so they need him to to kind of come out ready to go. And I think having competition in spring training is a way to, uh, if not make that happen, uh, certainly encourage that to happen. Yeah, um, I, I still think Joe Kelly, for me, is going to get that last spot. I think what we saw last year, towards the end of that year, Pete, is going to be huge for him and his confidence coming back. Between him and Porcello, those are two guys who were struggling. I think Kelly kind of showed what we all were hoping we could see all year. Um, so I definitely think he's going to get it there. Um, Pete, before we let you go, I know a lot of people hate to ask people to do this, and I always kind of hesitate, but I do want to ask you because it is – Coming into spring training, we all have new hope here at Red Sox Nation. So I kind of want to ask you, where do you think this team ends up end of the year? Um, I know real, World Series might not be realistic, but do you think this team's even a playoff team? You know, it's, it's a good question. And I suppose um, I'm, 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 you know, after the last two years, it's, it's hard to say that because they've had so many problems. And I still wonder about Hanley and, and Pablo Sandoval and, uh, you know, whether they can produce and, and be good middle-of-the-order hitters. You kind of wonder if David Ortiz is going to get pitched around, if that's not the case. So I would like to see them play a little bit, even if just in spring training before, before thinking that, but I, I do like their pitching staff an awful lot. I do think even last year with, with all the problems that they had, I think they finished fourth in the majors and runs scored. So there is some offensive talent on this team. I, I think Betts and Bogarts could be uh, guys who get MVP votes and all-star caliber players. I think Pedroia is, um, if he can stay healthy, you know, should have another Dustin Pedroia kind of year. So I do think, you know, they're, they're probably at least a wildcard team. I don't know. I, I think the division uh, certainly is in play for them. I mean, I guess it sounds a little crazy after they finished last twice, but I, you know, I, I, yeah, I do think they, they have the potential to be that. I don't know if they're, um, you know, if they can get it together offensively enough to be a champion again, but you know, it's it, the Red Sox are a weird team when, when you didn't expect much, they had a great year in 13. When you have a lot of expectations, they, they've fallen on their faces the last two years. So, between John Farrell's situation and Haley and Pablo and a new ace, a new closer, you know, there's a lot of kind of moving parts of this team. So it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, you can almost make a case for anything, but I, but I do think they'll at least be in the mix for something come the end of September. Which is great because I think we're all sick of not having a baseball season after May, which has kind of been a problem around well, here. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I call my office in the summer and it's like, I'm a telemarketer, you know, they're like, what do you want? You know, like, okay. You know, they get your story. Thanks. And go away. You know, yeah. so I, I'd rather get back to people, you know, I'd rather get back to people wanting to read my stories. So that would be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to see some Red Sox baseball in the second half of the summer, September actually matter for once. Oh, yeah, um, no again, this is, yeah, this is uh, Pete Dave here uh, of the Boston Globe. Pete, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, enjoy sunny Florida. I'm sure it's supposed to get colder in the coming weeks here up in uh, Boston, so you're definitely going to be enjoying your time down there for sure. Well, come come down and visit us at Fenway South, and we're, you know, we'd be happy to have anybody come in from the cold. So, Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> All, All right, right there you go. Thanks, that... yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Pete. I appreciate your so time. Pete. Thanks, Pete. All right, again, that is uh, Pete Abe of the Boston Globe, uh, great writer, um, of course, like he said. Be nice to have his stories mean something more than just kind of puff pieces and something to fill the paper during the summer. It would be nice if it actually uh, meant something and there was some heat and battle going on during the summer. Um, So, again, we appreciate him coming on. Guys, I really just want you and I, you guys, and I wanted to touch on some other stories that we asked him about. First, guys, we got to talk about this um, Hanley-Romero situation. I know I asked him about how he was not – he left in terms of the weekend and all that kind of stuff, and he kind of brushed it off, and he just said kind of how other players did it too, um, and this kind of stuff, it's not a big deal. To me, 
I, I disagree with him in the sense that it kind of is a big deal when Hanley's in the situation that he's in. Yeah, I think so, too. It's definitely concerning just because, I mean, we are so pessimistic about him. I mean, not that we don't want him. We, we want him to do well at first, but just it just hasn't been very, very good in left field. Why would he be good at first? And, you know, it's, I don't know. I, he uh, he fell down after taking, like, five ground balls at, at first. And it's like, Ugh, I'm so tired, i got to fall down now. Like, and they weren't even hard ground balls. Like, they were, he, they were going, like, half speed just to get him some touches before he left on vacation back home in Miami. So, like, it's just, to me, it's just, I, you see what he went through last year. You see the scrutiny he's going through. I don't think he cares about that part of it, but he clearly, he should care enough to say, okay, I know most guys are going to go home this weekend, but I have something to prove. I need to be here and learn first base as much as I possibly can. I'm going to stay and work my butt off. And he didn't do that. And when you see people like Travis Shaw, Brock Holt out there, you know, working every day and, and, and feeling yeah. good, and you got him kind of question mark, like how much energy does he have? Like, yes, I realize it's February 21st that the season doesn't start for a while, but when you're someone who is in the spotlight and the pressure as much as Hanley is, then people are going to be looking at you more and questioning everything you do. I mean, it's really a no-win situation for him overall, but he could probably do more to actually get less criticism and scrutiny of every single thing he does. Yeah, and that's honestly the same situation with Pablo. He could have been there earlier. He could have said that he wasn't clear when he was going to be there and when he was going to be moving in, that kind of stuff. And it's just like, if you were serious about and, and like taking off from what happened last year, yeah, Hanley lost a few pounds and maybe gained a little muscle, but like, what are you doing when, and what kind of message are you sending to your team and your teammates when you show up early? Oh, I'm here early. I'm working. Take a few um, ground balls that aren't hard at all. Fall over, complain you're tired, then go to Miami for home for the weekend when you're a team that clearly needs you're a guy that is learning a new position and clearly needs all the reps you can get. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's scary thought, him still being at first. And, you know, that's that he hasn't looked bad. I mean, he's, he, like like Pete said, he's looked comfortable. It's just when you hear the negative things, it's hard to overlook them because we have such a negative image of him already. Yeah, we need full speed for him to really engage. Anyone, I think anyone who has any infield experience whatsoever can actually – sit there, take some ground balls, and look decent. And he's going to look decent, guys. I'm not saying he's going to look terrible as he did in the outfield. He didn't know how to play the outfield. He knows how to take a ground ball. He knows how to range to his right. He knows how to range to his left when he has to. He has the ability to do a slide dive, a dive, anything he has to do to get a ground ball or a fly ball kind of behind him a little bit. He knows how to do that. He's done that forever. It's the full speed, okay, now i got to decide when do I go to the bag, when do I not? When do I have to pitch to my pitcher he has to be able to flip the ball to the pitcher when the pitcher is covering first base there's so many aspects of this that he needs to be there as much as he possibly can and it might sound stupid to me but it bugs the crap out of me that he went home and the the problem with with him in general is that he's kind of doing exactly what he did last year he was all excited he was ready he just wanted to prove everybody that he was going to be good in, in the field and a great player in boston he was so happy to be back and he's kind of doing yeah. that again he's like oh i'm 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 going to win a gold glove. Like, why, why wouldn't I win a gold glove? The season hasn't started yet. You know, if we, you know, I just go out there and hope the team win and stuff. And he's saying all the same crap that he already said last year. So he needs to prove it. And no why one's going to care say, until then. Like, and I completely agree. Like, just why can't they just say, you know what? It's a process I'm working on. I've never played first base before. I'm here to work hard. Like, I'm going to win a gold glove. Shut up, Henley. Like, just for once, just show up and say, you know what? I do have some infielders' experience, but look, I'm learning the position I am, so I'm here to do my best, and I'm here to learn. That's it. That's all you have to say to make us a little less on edge about your work ethic. But, but instead, care, I'm going to win a gold. No, of course he doesn't, and that's why we're all 
pissed because he doesn't care. Because last year Instead, he didn't he sh- work out in left field. Nobody saw him out there before games working. Is that going to happen again? No. Why, why, wouldn't, probably, why wouldn't it? Probably. It's right. going to happen again. And that's why this is happening. Instead, he shows up and goes, why can't I win a gold glove? And then goes home. <laughs> like, you're gonna, you want to go to gold glove in first place, a position you've never played. You just have to decide which ba- foot you want to put on the, ba- on the bag, and then you go home for the weekend. Like, you should be in there every day. And that's why I wish Travis Shaw would have the job, because I know as much as he's probably not your future at first base, he's better than Hanley right now. Yeah, he's he's much better than Hanley, and he just gives it all at Every, time, every chance he gets, he gives it all, and that's what you want to see in a player. You don't want to see somebody get tired and be like, oh, oh okay, it's enough grab balls for me. Yeah, and for me, too, now, it's like, okay, I get we probably won't have to put up a year of him at first base because next year he probably will be the DH if they don't find a way to get rid of him between now and then because Ortiz won't be here. So there's a good chance that's going to happen. I'm like 99% sure of that. So... I get we're only put up a year, but why risk a year when you could maybe platoon him with someone else? I don't know. I just doesn't. It, I think they're thinking about too much next year's situation than they are this year's situation with him. Well, I hope that Farrell sticks by his guns, and if Hanley doesn't play well, then he does sit him, even though that might not be the easiest thing to do because of how much money he's getting. I hope he does do that because it probably need, would it would probably need to happen if we're thinking about that. Yeah, I really hope it does. And same thing for Pablo Sandoval. Look, guys. He come, came in, didn't lose as much weight. He's, we can talk about him in a second, but, like, more details. He's the same way. He's, he's going to be on a short leash, too, um, and I think he is. But, but one more thing on Hanley. It's just, to me, Hanley Ramirez is never going to change. He's not. That, and that's why we've seen that over the course of his career. That's why he's bounced around so much. He, no one wants to deal with him, and he ended up coming here because the Red Sox needed a, a big move to make us happy or try to make Red Sox fans happy. It did for, like, five minutes, and then everyone was like, wait. Why is he here? No point. Like, at least the Pablo Sandoval one made some sense. Because they needed a third baseman, yeah, there might have been other options that weren't as expensive. But at least you tried to fill a hole with someone that can actually play the position. You needed a left fielder instead you put Hanley Ramirez out there. Like, that didn't make sense. He's never going to change his antics, so I'm not expecting much from him this year. I just hope he does somewhat decent to at least last till next year. Because I wouldn't hate him being the DH. He can hit the crap out of the ball when he's healthy. So, might as well. I'm okay with that. But... He's got to have a short leash this year. He has to. Well, the, the problem with him is that at this point he has to do everything perfectly because he's in such pressure situation. Yeah. Not going to change. He's not. He's not perfect. So. Yeah. And sorry. Go ahead, Lauren. I was going to change when 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 you're young when you're a young player. 30s, he's definitely changed. He's got his mind made up, and it's in his head that teams DH here, and that was in his head when he signed here that he was going to eventual DH. So it's, I feel like he's just not giving his all because he's got that in his head, like, oh, I don't have to play the field in a few years. I can just half-ass it, and then I can just be the the DH in a year or two. Yeah, and that's you know that's in his mind. They probably told him when they signed him, you're going to be the DH in a couple of years, like. Just come on and deal with this for a couple of years, and that's why he signed. And they gave him a crap ton of money to do that. So that's definitely where that's going. Um, to Pablo Sandoval's whole situation, this is ridiculous. Um, I don't know if what Pete Abe said was completely right. I don't know about the whole situation of he told me he's going to be in Fort Myers Saturday, and maybe he was just moving in and told me he'd be on the field Sunday. I don't know that whole situation. But I'm going under the assumption that he was not there when he was supposed to be in terms of when he told the Red Sox he was going to be. Cause that's more let down the lines of what would probably would happen. Um, 
if if that's the case, guys, not a good look at all. And the fact that he didn't, he comes up in here and says, "Oh, I I wasn't told to lose weight. I'm here to become a better ball player. I wasn't told to lose weight by this team, where multiple people on this team, um, whether that be Tori Lavillo, um, John Farrell, and Dombrowski, all said, yeah, we asked him to lose weight. Obviously, that was going to outweigh what Pablo said, right? Like, of course, they asked him to lose weight. Well, I think actually- that's." Go ahead, Jess. I was going to say, I actually saw on Pete's Twitter earlier that, that Farrell said that they didn't specifically ask him to lose weight. They asked him to come back in better condition, which obviously, if Pablo thought about it, would probably be, oh, you probably should lose some weight. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. It's like, <laughs> what, what's the difference between losing weight and coming back in a better condition? It's like, he knows he's overweight. He's obviously, he's a, he's a big guy. But and it doesn't mean, like, come back eating healthier it comes back it means be in better shape when you get here and I think it's a I mean I think it raises a little red flag that he wasn't there on Saturday but it's hard to think if Farrell said he's going to be here Saturday like does that mean he'd be in Florida or did that mean he'd be on the field it's hard to it's really hard to judge that but I I hope it's just that he was in Fort Myers and that's what he meant because I don't I don't need two negative things happening in spring training about this team Guys, that is the that is the nicest way of saying you need to lose weight. Like, yeah, yeah you can say, oh, you need to come back in better condition. What else is better condition? Right. <laughs> if you come back in better condition, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. So that's kind of where like, the where the contradiction is, because like, well, I guess I guess maybe specifically Pablo is right. They didn't say, hey, lose weight, even though that's what everyone kind of said that the team said. But if they're saying to get in better condition, then that's basically saying lose weight. Like, take a hint. Yeah, like, yeah, especially what happened last year. And then they come up, and he's saying, well, last year wasn't a disappointment. Of course it was a disappointment. Wait, he said like, that? Like, he played like crap. Yeah, he came out and said, <laughs> and the first time he spoke to the media, he said, someone asked him, well, what do you think about last year, and, like, are you, how are you going to bounce back from last year being a disappointment? He's like, well, I don't think last year was a disappointment. Like, we're fine. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm just here to get better. And I'm like, are you serious, dude? That's hilarious. Like, you stopped switch hitting. That already was a disappointment. We signed you as a switch hitter, and you couldn't figure out how to switch hit so you stopped hitting righty. Like, like what is that? that? Of course, that's a massive disappointment. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's huge that he's coming back and is going to switch hit again this year, but he better not stop. Well, if he's doing horrible at one side of the plate, why wouldn't he stop? Because I'd rather you switch hit, and that's what he's – his entire career, he's had ups and downs of switch hitting. Has he ever stopped switch hitting in the past? No, but I'd rather have him on – like the left side of the plate, if he's hitting better from the left side of the plate, if he's striking out right side of the plate eight, nine times out of ten, I don't want him on the right side of the plate. I don't need him coming up like, Whoa, automatic out, here we go. Like Didn't help last year. No, but he hit better from one side of the plate than the other, and he stopped. Yeah, but he didn't. He, but there was no signs of him trying to get better at it and get put it back into his game. He just stopped. That's okay. If he's doing better, don't, don't try to put it back in your game. Not at all. Not at all. He's a switch hitter. He's been a switch hitter his entire life. Well, maybe like, he's trying you to can stop think- that. No, maybe it's well, not. Well, now it's not happening because he's doing it again. <laughs> well, no, but be. yes, but I don't think it's going to – if he's going to do bad from one side of the plate, he's, it's not going to last the whole season. Especially at Fenway where he is a pull hitter regardless of what side he's on. He's new, he can pull the ball. Why, why wouldn't you want to hit from the right side of the plate? If he does as bad as he did last year, I don't want maybe him anywhere near not, that side of the plate. Yeah, maybe he's just not good at it anymore. I mean, I, I, mean, I get the not doing it the rest of last year considering he was two for 49. Maybe he was just waiting for the season to end and to work out his offseason and, and do it. I mean, I don't know if he works, but... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. Slinging ice cream? Does he work? Is he slinging ice cream? Is he like... <laughs> oh, jeez. These oh, guys. Jared, I... That'd be intriguing. I Would you want to sling... 
I, I know you love Sorry. Pablo. I know you, like you love. I know you love him. I know you love the signing, but if I don't know, he's on a short leash, and I'm ready. Oh, to, I, I'm ready for him I, this year. I completely agree. He's on a short leash. I'm not sitting here and saying I'm going to give him 100% slack. I just think people are already shutting him off when at least he's playing the position he's supposed to be playing. Like, you know, it's not – like, I think everyone's entitled to a bad year. Obviously, you're getting paid a ton of crap, ton of money. I, he's on a short leash with me. I'm not saying he's not. I think if he starts playing poorly, put Travis Shaw at third base. Let Brock Holt play continue minutes. I don't care. But, like, I'm, not, I'm, give, I'm willing to give him another chance because he's proven in his career that he can win and he can be part of a winning team. The, Hanley never has done that, so I don't, ca- I don't care about Hanley. He's done to me. But, like, I'm giving Pablo a shot here because I know he's won in the past. He's won three times. He deserves a shot here to make it better. Now, if he sucks the first couple months this year and can't turn it around, bye. You're done. Bye, Felicia. The, the, bye. The, the problem with Sandoval, though, is it, it, it might be the Boston thing. And I don't want to be too premature with this, but kind of what just happened the last couple of days with, with, with not coming to camp and then coming today and saying that he's nothing to prove, that didn't have a bad year, that he has nobody weighs, all that stuff, it's, you're going to get – eaten alive in Boston with that kind of stuff. And you think he would know that, and all of this still happened. He's getting he's getting destroyed because he didn't show up, even though yeah. they don't have to show up yet, it's specifically. You know, it's like he's already getting destroyed for it. So is he is he a player that should be in Boston? Probably not. I'm not ready to go there yet, Jess. Um, I, I see why you're going there, and I can totally see that side of the argument. And I hate to agree with you, but I do agree in the sense of that it could be an option. But right now I'm not there yet. I will be there in two, three months if come May, April, uh, even June. It, like, I, I, I would take it there if it's still going on then. But let's see how he does coming off into the spring training in the beginning of the season. If he's pulling up success and hitting, and hitting well and turn, kind of turns us around, last year, even defensively, he did struggle a little bit. And then towards the end of the year, that was gone, and he was playing better defense. Give him a little bit of time here. I'm not asking you to give him until July, August, September. By then, the games could not even mean anything anyway. But, like, Give him until, like, May. And if he's still sucking come middle to the end of May, then whatever. Well, I'm, I'm willing to give him time, too, on the field, definitely. I'm, I'm more just saying that his attitude is just already off on a sour note. I want, I want to give him time, too. I want to see him play, absolutely. Just, his, just the way he goes about things, I think, is already, already in a bad place in terms of playing in Boston, and it can't be any help, at least, when the season starts. It might not be a hindrance because attitude and – Plane aren't necessarily completely linked, but attitude-wise, he's off to a bad start. Let's see what Price brings to the. I know pitchers and pitchers don't commemorate too much during the spring with some of these position players, but let's see what David Price's attitude can bring. Um, I think that winning masks a lot of this, and that's why you see the Giants situation. I know the Giants reported after he came here that apparently the, the locker room didn't like him, all that kind of stuff. But like winning masked a lot of it. If, you can, if they can figure out a way to win and be successful and keep these games meaningful, we're not going to be talking about this all year. We're going to be talking about them winning, and we're going to be talking about on-the-field stuff because we won't care. Some of it might come up, but it's, gonna, it's not going to get out as much because if they're winning, no one cares. It's just because the last couple of years they've sucked so bad, and we've had like half a baseball season between the last two years, like they're not going to – that's why where all this stuff comes up because we need to find something to talk about from end of May through September until football season starts. You're right. Winning does mass stuff. Winning max everything. If you're a successful team, no one cares. Think about this. If the, if this team starts winning, guys, 
And if this team comes off successful, I wouldn't say best team in the league, but if they're at the top of the division right there through the end of May, is anyone going to care how bad Hanley's playing? Maybe. I mean, we will. Maybe. Well, yeah, because we care enough. But, like, most Red Sox fans, are they going to care? I don't know. Right away, Lauren, you said maybe. So automatically that just changes the perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I mean, there's people out there who will still care, and then there's going to be people like do whatever. But, I mean, I don't know. I think um, there's going to be people out there who do care about whether they're losing or whether they are successful. The barrage of crap that those two players are getting. It's going to go away if this team is successful. They'll still get some. Don't get me wrong. It's not all going to go away because we'll start. We'll be paying attention. We're going to give them crap on the show. I'm not going to stop just because if they're winning. But general public, all the extra over-the-top crap they're getting is going to go away if this team is doing okay. Yeah, it probably will. Directly. I was going to say, if, if they're actually playing well, if, they're, if we're playing well and they're not, people are still going to be all over them. But not as much. I think if this team is doing well, it's going to go away to some extent. Because people are going to be paying attention to, oh, look, the pitching staff's doing well. David Price is doing awesome things for his teammates in the community. David Ortiz's last year is going so well. There's so many storylines to mask that if they're doing well. Yeah, I was going to say that that I think they're lucky in a sense that there is David Price that we're all going to be looking at. There's Craig Kimbrell we're all going to be looking at, even Carson Smith. There's other people we're going to be looking at. The, catching the young kids. Exactly. So it, they, they have a like, set of mask there. But they also have a lot of that on them where it's like they need to do well because even if we're winning, it's if they're not contributing to this team in the way that we expect them to and that the fans expect them to, then there's going to be issues around them. And they're not going to be looking forward to seeing them at the plate. And, I mean, we like watching them make big plays and big hits, but if they're even if the team's winning – if Trav, if Trav, Blake Swihart hits a home run and then Sandoval comes up to to bat, it's like, oh, we don't want to see him because he's doing bad. Like, I don't know. It's I, I just, I just think it's too much on them. I just think this is hilarious because it already is pretty bad in terms of the two of them and people being on them. But it could be so much worse, even even that, because like you said, all the other. The other storylines with Price and Kimbrell and all those guys, Ortiz's last year, it could be so much worse than these guys. Like they, oh, really? Could ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, though, think about this too. And I kind of just thought of this. Even if they do suck, say the season's over in May, like it was the last couple of years, I don't think it's going to happen. But say it does, there's still other storylines surrounding those two to help them out. Like, oh, David Ortiz's last year is going to crap. Uh, David Price might not be pitching well. Uh, Craig Kimbrell might not be might be blowing saves. All these opportunities for them to be saved from getting 100% of the blame. Yeah, they've it's it's funny how it's funny how many storylines there are there really are. I know I know Pete was talking about it too. There's so many different things to watch for and so many different things that will determine if the team is good or not. It's crazy. Yeah, it it's it's really weird. Um I'm hoping they win. I'm I'm sick of not watching good baseball for sure. So obviously we'll keep an eye on those two and kind of see where that goes from here. Um one thing I wanted to ask you guys because I know I had talked about this um I was on the radio earlier today and my co-host brought it up and I was we were kind of going back and forth so I was intrigued to ask you guys in terms of the catching situation. Um someone brought up to us maybe potentially and this isn't the first time this has ever been brought up, but obviously you can potentially move Swihart out of the catching position long-term, so you can have Vasquez catch, move Swihart to first or third base. What would you guys think of maybe training Swihart now and using him as the backup option for Hanley or Pablo? 
I mean, I'm all, I love Blake Squire. He's a great player. I'm, I'm all for him if he can play other positions. But I think right now it's it's Hannigan's Whitehart's position until Vasquez is completely recovered. And Tommy John surgery is a huge surgery. It's I don't want him to be brought back too soon. And I love Vasquez. I think he's a great catcher. He's a great offensive catcher too. But when you have Hannigan and Swihart who played so well last year, who proved they can hit and they can play and they can call great games, they can throw people mm-hmm. out at second. It, I don't. I mean, yes, I, I want that option behind Hanley, but I also want Swihart behind the plate because I know he can call a good game. And like Pete said, having an offensive catcher is so rare these days that how can you not want that? Yeah, I, yeah, I want Vasquez to start in AAA as well and have and Swire start. But I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't mind him getting some work over there at, at first base or even another position if if he's capable of playing another position because he is a pretty very quick player for for his for his current catcher position. But I think yep. I think that he's too he's so I think he's really valuable and I know he was really highly touted all through the minors that I don't want to lose him if we have Vasquez. I would love to keep him and have him play another position. I think I think he could be that good especially with his offense. So I, I'd be really hesitant to get rid of him, and I'd love to see him play another position if Vasquez is going to lock down the catcher spot. Yeah, see, and that's why I'm thinking about this, because short-term, obviously, Swihart's going to get the job for now. I w- I'm with you guys. I need Vasquez to get some reps, um, prove that he can be healthy and stay healthy after this. But I'm thinking, down the line, what if come July, come the trade deadline, both these guys are healthy. Both these guys are playing well. You're probably going to end up dealing Hannigan first in a small deal, so that these two guys become your catchers. Long term, you're not going to want to give either of these guys up, right? Like you're not going to think, oh, let's just trade Vasquez and be Swihart, and then wouldn't you rather potentially have Vasquez be your starter as a catcher because he's so good defensively? Maybe give up a little bit there, and then have the offensive versatility of Swihart at another position, and then you could always have Swihart catch every once in a while too. It's not going to hurt you to do that, and then you don't lose Vasquez, who I think could potentially have one of the best arms in baseball if he heals right from this, because he already does have one of the better arms in baseball before this injury. So I think there's a lot of um, opportunity there, and I think that long-term that might be your best option to not have to lose one of them, because you wouldn't want Christian Vasquez to be a backup catcher, would you? No. And would he want to do that? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think ideally you'd want both of them, and I guess really, yeah, really the question is to see how Vasquez responds from the surgery and if he's still as good. Because if he's if he suddenly has no arm and everything, then obviously he's not as valuable as he was before. But the fact that he's only 25 and Swihart's only 23, to have two really promising catchers who are both that young, not a lot of teams have that. That's huge. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. I'm not like complaining at all, but it's just something they have to figure out once Vasquez shows he's healthy. That's all. I mean, if if he's healthy, it's such a huge thing, and and there's no reason for us to believe that he won't be healthy. He's, you know, he had the surgery. He's done as as far as we know, he's done everything right in his recovery. I, he's just he's out there. He's ready to come back, which is good. I want to see that that optimism, but I don't want him rushing to come back because he is such a valuable player. Yeah, I've seen you, you've seen it now. Tommy John's a lot more common than it used to be in terms of people are coming back easier with that, and like you have fi- you find time and you stay healthy. And he's young, so his body's easier to heal than it is if you had like a 40 year old go into the knife. But I, so I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. He's young. He's got time to figure this out. So I, I think long-term I'm still setting on Vasquez catching. Obviously I don't want to deal with Swihart if you can put him in another spot, um, especially because long-term you still need a first baseman and you might look at Mike Napoli. He, he easily went from catching to first base. No problem. And he 
catchers become great first basemen because they know how to block a ball. They know that instinct of getting that ball. So I wouldn't have a problem at all him learning first base long term. Be interesting to see, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's definitely an intriguing storyline coming into this year. Obviously, we're going to probably see Vasquez start Triple A just to get reps and make sure he's still good to go. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on quickly that he brought up, that uh, Pete A brought up as well when we were talking to him, was um, kind of in the bullpen situation how the Red Sox are in a good spot and how he said Koji would be the eighth and uh, Smith would be the seventh inning. Um, I'd almost know. I, I kind of want it to be the other way around. I kind of want Koji to be the seventh and Smith to be the ace because especially, I mean, I know he said if he's healthy, but even if healthy, Koji's 40 years old. Like I would rather him have to be in a less prominent role at this age with the health concerns and have the young Carson Smith throwing hard to come in that for that eighth in. I'm kind of torn on this. Like I think it'd be good either way, but yeah, we know he can still pitch like he's 23 and I mean I know age is concerned but he came out and said he wants to, to pitch until he's old and nobody wants him and he's terrible and and I don't have any reason to believe that he won't pitch well this year yeah I'm on I'm 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 on the train of keeping Smith in the seventh and Koji in the eighth just because Koji's pitched here before I want to see if Smith can handle it before he pitches there. before he pitches in the this eighth inning that's what I think just strictly because of that, I know Koji's older, and maybe you'll want him to switch at some point. But at least for the start in the first couple of months, I think you, I think you keep Koji in the eighth. I think. What, what about long term then? Say, say for for the sake of the argument, say Carson Smith can handle pitching in Boston, and that doesn't become an issue. Then what do you do, Jess? Yeah, I would say put him in the eighth. There's no reason not to. If Koji's not closing, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay, and I do I do agree to the sense of obviously pitching in Boston is an animal of its own. So obviously you have to figure out and make sure he's going to be able to stable stabilize what he did in, out in Seattle here before anything else. So I'm definitely okay with it starting that way. But I think long term, I think Carson Smith's your best option in the eighth inning. But obviously, like Pete said as well, you have such flexibility six through nine that you could even have one day Tazawa pitch the eighth inning because you know he can do it. Oh yeah, definitely. So it you know what I mean so as long as Tazawa's not in the ninth inning, I'm cool wherever he pitches. Um, cause we've seen him close and that's not fun, but anywhere else I'm cool with that as well. So there's definitely flexibility there. Um, so yeah, so that's plenty of Red Sox news, uh, to go around. Obviously, uh, pitchers and catchers are there. Position players are coming in down the line tomorrow, start Tuesday, like Pete said. So I'm definitely intrigued by everything that's going on as well. Um, one little storyline with the Red Sox that I'm definitely intrigued by, but not shocked by is one thing I saw earlier in the Boston Globe this week that David Price is already winning over his teammates. And I'm, are you guys shocked by that at all? Because I'm not. No, not at all. I mean, we knew what kind of player he was when we signed him, and we've heard nothing but good things about him, whether it was he, when he, even when he wasn't on the Red Sox. And he just has such a personable personality, and he's always smiling, he's always laughing. Like, just watching the spring training, it's just it's so much fun just seeing him interact with everyone. He just looks so happy to be there, and that's the kind of attitude and positivity you need on a team. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because – all anyone's talked about is how great of a teammate he is, and so far he's showing that. So it doesn't surprise me at all, and I'm obviously thrilled to see it. Yeah, and I think for me too, like we've heard stories, like I know I've gone back and forth with Jared on this show, Jared Carabas of Barstool on the show and not on this show as well. And he's obviously we know how close he is with David Price recently, but um, he said the same thing. You can just tell he's a pure, like enjoys the game of baseball regardless of where he is. 
um, which is huge because that's a bit, you just got paid however much two hundred seventeen million, right? Something like that. And he showed up early and is and finds the effort to go around to all of his teammates and greet himself. And then he ends up playing long toss with Eduardo Rodriguez on the first day, just because like Eduardo Rodriguez probably was shocked that David Price even knew who he was. Never mind, there was talks of him potentially like apparently the reports are that he was watching film of Eduardo Rodriguez to learn what he was doing so he could help him out. Like, that's huge. It's everything you want in a teammate. Yep. Can't be a bad sign. It's huge. It's 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 amazing. So I'm definitely intrigued by that story. But I wanted to bring that up because that's something that I think gets underplayed with what David Price brings. We all know what he's going to bring every fifth day. But it's the stuff that he brings on the other four days that he's not pitching is huge. And I think that is um, it is definitely intriguing uh, for me moving forward. Um, a couple non-Red Sox-related news. And you guys put this up here for the show prep. Um, Barry Bonds. Good old Barry Bonds. Um, quote, God knows I'm a Hall of Famer. That's what he said. Um, he is coaching for the Miami Marlins now. And he came out, and I'm sure someone it was someone asking about the Hall of Fame, and he said that God knows I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm I'm not shocked by that comment, but what, do you, what is your guys' take on that? Of course he thinks he's a Hall of Famer. He's 762 freaking home runs. But a lot. Get, it's a lot of home runs, Jess. Jess, he's, in, he's the home run king. Yeah, exactly, which is why he thinks he should be a Hall of Famer. Of course he thinks that, it's, but he's just going to forget about all the steroid stuff. So I I don't – I mean, how can you pay attention to what he says? Of course he's going to think that he is. He, I don't. I wouldn't expect him to come out here and say, nah, I'm not a Hall of Famer. Forget that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why, why would he say, no, I messed up. I'm definitely not a Hall of Famer. Like, like Jess said, all those home runs, almost 800 home runs, you're not going to come out and say you don't belong in the Hall of Fame because, of course, like, of course he thinks that. There's nothing else to say about that. Like, yes, he thinks he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And Mr. Home Run King, like, no, you did a bunch of steroids. Like, let's just let's just pretend that never happened. You definitely belong in the Hall of Fame, guy. I mean, I do agree that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Completely on board for that. But – I think it's just hilarious that um, he, this is what he thinks. Like, he, he uses God as his ultimate excuse because no one's going to refute religion. Like it's just, oh well, God knows. God knows what I'm supposed, where I'm supposed to be, regardless of what other people think. Like, come on, Barry Bonds, you're better than that. I get you're religious, but like, you just focus on coaching. You're a coach now. Like, just get young kids to take steroids and hit home runs like you did. Like that's not, that's your job now. <laughs> juice people, juice people up. Stab them in the leg with their, your needles and just go to work. Don't worry about the Hall of Fame because you're probably never getting in. So. Don't worry about it. Um, do you like? Do you guys? I know I cut. We talked about this before, but because it came up again, um, I just don't remind me. Do you guys think he's in the Hall of Fame at some point before he's off the ballot? I don't think he's going to be. Mm, it's. I don't think so. It just with all the steroids and everything. I just don't think he's going to be one of those steroid users who gets into the Hall of Fame. I think there's a small chance, um, but I think overall, I think I think the writers aren't going to. I think by the time the writers get over this, he'll be off the ballot. Um, I, I honestly think, as much as I hate to say it, I think David Ortiz would be the first one in that has any suspicion link of PEDs and, like, in steroids. Because I think the first time – I think by the time he's on the ballot, which we now know will, when will be, um, I think that by then I think people will finally be over it. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, people are pretty have pretty strong opinions about it, but obviously – I just think Bonds pissed off too many people for him to get in. He pissed off a lot of people. Exactly. So I think that's what's so, going to uh, eventually cause him not to get in in addition to the steroids with those that is two ammo weapons against him. Yeah, very true. Very true. And then one 
Sorry, go ahead, Lauren. I say the baseball writers are already hard enough to get by. Oh, I hate the BBWA. <laughs> Sorry, P. Dave. Sorry, P. Dave, but I hate the BBWA, and I know I'm not alone. It's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, so one more story before we get out of here for the week. Um, good old friend Jonathan Papelbon um, had, obviously, we know that that uh, lovely scuffle last year with Bryce Harper in the Washington Nationals dugout. He's obviously still a member of the Nationals, so is Bryce Harper. Um, and he came out and kind of um, he apologized for that whole situation. He said, quote, me and Bryce were good. I've apologized to him. I've apologized to my teammates. I want to apologize to the fans and the coaches and everyone included. And I think that with what happened last year, I was in the wrong. I should have never went down that way, and I understand that. I've had three months to think about it. I've done a lot of reflecting, and I think sometimes in life good things can come out of bad situations. I mean, good for him to finally say something, and it, it probably took some time to get away from the team to, to, to think about it more. Um, for their sake, hopefully he's actually telling the truth because they're going to need Jonathan Palabon to close some games out this year and be a good, decent teammate anyway. I can't say be a good teammate, but be a decent teammate for that locker room. This locker, that, that locker room is going to need that, what Palabon brought to the Red Sox in 2007 in that clubhouse. They're, he's going to, they're going to need something like that to lighten up the mood and have some fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm glad he came out and apologized. I don't like Bryce Harper as a player. I think he's a punk, and part of me loved that scuffle just to see him just get put in his place. And But, you know, like you said, took some time to be away from the team, and they do need Jonathan Pavlovon, but I do think that they also need Bryce Harper to just grow up a little and not be so cocky and just True. relax and chill. Like, you, they always have the national Chill, bro. Yeah, chill, bro. Chill. It's they've had a good run the last few years and they just kind of fall off it's and they they need to figure out how to stay consistent and I think part of that is their players attitudes like you can't just have a few bad games and give up and I think a lot of that is under Bryce Harper just because he's so much of that team you think of the Nationals you think of Bryce Harper and the hair flip and he just needs to to get over himself and just he's a baseball player they're all there to win and he needs to realize that and see when for me when I when this kind of happened I was almost kind of forced just because obviously we have a, we have a small place in our hearts for Jonathan Papelbon just because of what he brought to this team, but and when he was a Red Sox, but we all don't like Bryce Harper like you said, Lauren, for that kind of crap that he pulls, and it was kind of nice to see him get in his place. I don't personally think that Papelbon was in the wrong because I'm sure Bryce Harper did something that probably pissed Jonathan Papelbon off, and Papelbon we know is not one to shy away from saying what he thinks. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, should he have done it in the middle of the game in the dugout like he did and get in a huge fight? No, do it when, on your own time. But I'm not—I don't think he was in the wrong to do it at all. I just think he did it at the wrong time. Well, I'm always—I've always been a huge Papelbon fan, and you said a small piece, piece of their heart. I have a big piece of Jonathan Papelbon <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> I loved him when he was here. I couldn't get enough of him, and I—I I, I enjoy his antics, and I enjoyed this obviously because for the same reason we don't like Bryce Harper and he put him in his place. No, I don't think he should have done it during the game. And I do like the apology because no matter how sincere it was, I think it was smart to do just because Harper is the face of that team, obviously, because Papelbon's yeah. not that guy anymore. Maybe, you know, maybe five or six years ago, Papelbon would have been the face of the team. But at this point, Harper is. And so I think it was smart, whether he wanted to or not, to do that, which just makes me like him even more. <laughs> <laughs> I've never hated John Papelbon. I wished him success when he left. I don't think yeah. he should have left. But um, obviously it was hard to watch him kind of spiral away in Philadelphia. He had good years when he was with the Phillies, despite the team being terrible. Um, you can only get so many save opportunities when you're on a team that's so bad. But He's always been I good. Think he, 
yeah, he's never had been bad. I just think the Red Sox moved on from him, and they didn't want to deal with him, so they moved on. Um, and then the Phillies were the same way. So now he's in a good spot. I think the Nationals are a joke because they just don't know how to win. But if they ever figure their crap out, they have a good closer. And I think if they do figure their stuff out this year, he could put he could they're going to put him in a good position, have a really good year, and maybe put push them through the playoffs if they can get there and get their crap together. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think that he could be a huge a huge I don't know what the word is a huge part of their team to if he get a lot of saves and get along with the team and this is obviously the first step in getting along with the team is <laughs> moving on from pre- previous things in, in past years like this. Yeah, of course it is. And so that's definitely huge um, for for that team moving forward. I, I still think they're a joke, and I don't think they're going to figure it out because Bryce Harper's on the team. But um, moving forward, I think that he is a big part of maybe helping them out moving forward to kind of build that clubhouse camaraderie and chemistry that a lot of teams have. And he he's experienced it when he was here. That, that clubhouse was phenomenal when he was here. Him dancing half naked outside on the field when they won, that was phenomenal. I loved every second of it. Um, and he needs to bring that to this kind of team. Obviously, it's not going to be as big of a role as he was back then, but it still needs to come to some extent. And I think that's what he's trying to do. And maybe that's why Bryce Harper, the incident with Bryce Harper happened, because he was trying to take a little bit of charge. Bryce Harper probably wasn't happy about it. And then that happened. So we'll see how that is moving forward. Um, so it, we talked a lot today about a lot of stuff. Red Sox news, obviously, we appreciate Pete Ape coming on. Um, I think we're just kind of looking forward to some Red Sox season here, and uh, we're ready to get going. So we'll be back on next week, of course. This week was brought to you by Grandstand, uh, the new sports app. Sports highlights straight from the crowd. Share your own sports highlights and watch videos straight from the crowd, all from the fans' perspective. Download Grandstand on the App Store or at grandstand.me. Um, it's a great app. It's awesome. It's, it definitely works really well. Um, but yeah, so we have a lot to talk about next week as well. I'm sure with the positional players reporting uh, Tuesday with the first workouts, pitchers and catchers are already there. Um, so don't forget follow us on Reds on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat, Facebook Red Sox Beat Podcast. Uh, please go on to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe us and share us. It's the biggest thing you can do for us. Um, obviously, the written coverage is going to be getting ramped up now with. Uh, spring training coming right now and obviously the season's starting so Jess any big things in the works for the written coverage yeah we got a uh idea that Lauren came up with we're doing a um a player to watch for and we're going to be doing Mm -hmm. a different player for each member of the writing staff over the next couple weeks Uh, take a guess who I have (laughs) yeah of course we know you have (laughs) (laughs) I meant for the fans I know no I know you guys know (laughs) well you don't want to tell do you you want to make it a surprise It'll be a surprise, but hint, my, my car is named after him. <laughs> and Lauren's going to start it off, uh, and she's going to be doing a little little wrinkle in it and maybe not do a player. So wait wait to see what, what Lauren has in store for you there. It'll be It's it'll not be Brian one. Johnson. That's right, it's not Brian Johnson. <laughs> the ultimate teaser right there by Jess Thomas. So, yeah, so we're excited for the written covers to get going. Obviously, once the season starts, we'll have your game recaps as well. Um, and obviously up-to-date stuff for that. So definitely stay tuned for SeanOnestRadio.com for the written coverage as well. Um, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. More up-to-date news with pitchers and catchers and teams all being there, team members all being there. Uh, next week, we'll have some good stuff for you. We'll have some David Ortiz, I'm sure. He's always colorful this time of year, for, of course. Um, so until next week, for Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, again, P-Day, we appreciate coming on from the Boston Globe uh, down from Fort Myers. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio.